Hey, Angela here. Before we begin this episode, I'd like to invite you to join our Substack community, where you'll get more founder profiles, exclusive behind-the-scenes content, first access to all my original work, and access to our community group chat. All you have to do is click the link in the description. I love and appreciate your support. It's awesome to see all your comments, email responses, and reactions. I'm happy to share this journey with you. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you guys so much for listening to Honey and Hustle. We are a visual podcast that features conversations with small business owners, creative entrepreneurs, and those in the nonprofit community. We're so glad that we started sharing our podcast here on Anchor FM. And if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and it will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on all the major platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. If you're listening to this right now, download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Thank you to Blackology Coffee Company for sponsoring this video. Take 10% off your next order at Blackology Coffee Company by using the link at the description, www.blackologycoffeecompany.com backslash Angela. Hey everybody, my name is Angela. I'm your host and producer here at Honey and Hustle. Today I'm going all the way from Chicago by Annie. She is awesome, salesperson, sales guru, sales, I mean, savant. And she's here to give you some confidence in your sales process. So, Annie, thank you so much for joining me today. It is my pleasure to be here with you. Thank you for having me. Yes, yes. So, you come from a car salesman, (laughs) (laughs) salespeople, Um, but that is not necessarily your approach to selling. You have what you call and what a lot of people call relationship-based selling approach. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit more about how you kind of fell into that? and you know why you felt like people should really adopt this type of selling approach to be successful in the long term. My focus has always been on super, super small businesses. So solopreneurs, duos, really, really tiny. Maybe they have one employee, maybe they have two, maybe they have an intern. Maybe we've gotten to that point, right? But my emphasis in my area of expertise with them used to be in marketing and branding and i adored it and i did it for years and years and years and years and years but it started to occur to me i was watching everybody around me get ahead and then i was looking at the rate of progress of my own clients and my own business and we just weren't fully competing and i couldn't figure out why and so I thought, you know, both for my own selfish capital S needs uh, as a business owner, I need to figure out why I'm not as sustainable and profitable as I should be. But also people are paying me to grow their businesses. There's got to be a disconnect here because all the marketing that they're doing is freaking beautiful and heart-centered and amazing and bold and brave and watch the hang up. And what I realized was that people that were working with me, maybe it 
because they were modeling me, but I was focusing so much on the relationship building aspect in the marketing that I relied on that relationship to carry itself across the finish line of the selling, which it in most cases simply does not do. And so I looked at it and I thought, why are these people struggling? Why am I struggling? And the answer was the relationship was so important to us. We didn't want to violate it through what we thought selling was. And when I figured that out, I thought there's got to be really this whole new world of honoring that relationship through selling. And what I discovered and what I've since honed is exactly what you mentioned, that relationship-based sale, where the relationship stays the focus before, during, and after, which makes it so much easier for heart-centered, introverted, or empathic people to fight and compete with people out there that might not care as much about the client as they do. Yeah, and that's a really interesting distinction, right? Because it's sometimes it's people find it hard for them to ask for the sale and to really feel as though they are still people, which I know is very weird, especially if you're maybe a creative person. Just like, I like to make art. I don't necessarily like to be just like retail salesperson, but it's like, okay, if you're going to be successful, you're going to have to figure it out because mm -hmm. the art itself is not going to be a big enough draw when there's thousands of artists out there, right? Um, well, and the art itself is a beautiful and powerful and wonderful draw, but you dishonor your own art if you're trying to make money. For, if you're making art for art's sake, if you're just like, I'm living artist life, I have a day job, I'm fine for it, I'm going to share my art on Instagram just because it makes me happy, then awesome. But if you are trying to be a professional artist, like capital P, capital A, if you do not embrace selling that art, which can feel so horrible. Believe me, I understand it. But if you don't find a way to do that that doesn't feel horrible, then you are dishonoring your own art by not putting it out into the world properly and not treating yourself as artist, as a viable person that people should pay to promote. Like back in the day, I love that you brought up art. We used to have this big patron system, which we see a little bit through patreon or this or that but really honestly people used to be like hey vincent van gogh you're crazy and having all kinds of trouble but i like your painting so i'm gonna give you like five bucks a month right which is where that patreon idea came from we've moved away from that until we get to like the super wealthy right and so what happens how do small artists compete they sell they show their work and they put it out there and they put a price on it and they send it out into the world. And that action does not have to feel sacrilegious to the artist in you. That can be the way that all successful artists have always done this, except for people like Van Gogh who weren't popular until after they died. That's not the goal, y'all. If Van Gogh had been a better salesman, he might have done better while alive right he's not i love him dearly that right there is a van gogh like come on but but let's not make him the model for artistic sales yes. so on that note like when people are trying to gain confidence in their sales process in a way that feels natural to them and their personality and the product or service that they're selling what are some tips and what are some mindset shifts that you have seen within yourself and with the people that you work with 
I know, I know, this is getting really good. But I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you. Thank you so much for watching and listening to the show. Whether you're a day one fan or day 100 fan, I'm so glad that you found Honey and Hustle and have decided to stick along for the ride. As a thank you, I wanted to give you a little gift that this show has so graciously given me. The ability to continue to connect with thought leaders, industry leaders, business owners, and other entrepreneurs, no matter where I am. Link offers a digital business card that is a natural extension of my website and social media platforms that allows me to easily send people to strategic landing pages so they can learn a little bit more about me, the resources I offer, and how we can continue to stay connected. When you click the link below in the description, you'll get 15% off any of their wearables, phone taps, and hopefully the last physical business card you'll ever need. When you do this, I get a little percentage back at no extra cost to you, which helps me continue to host guests and industry leaders so they can give you advice and help you crush the hustle. Thank you so much again for supporting the show and our show sponsor, Link. All right, let's get back into it. You know, there are a bunch, but the first one is we tend to define selling as the culmination and accumulation of all the times we've been sold to horribly, right? So if you've been tricked, if you've been mistreated, if you've been demeaned, if you've been, you know, over-promised, under-delivered, any of those things, that goes into our Webster Dictionary of Selling in our mind. Because we're like, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to lie. I don't want to beat someone up. I don't want to arm twist. I don't want to blah, 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 blah. And so instead we go, I don't want to sell. No, the first thing right there is selling is defined by me as problem solving for money. That's it. I got an empty wall. I don't want the wall to be empty. I'm going to buy some art. Now my wall is beautiful. Problem solved, right? I don't like my website. I think that it really looks amateur and I'm trying to level up my business. I hire a web designer. Problem solved, right? None of the ways that you've been sold to terribly are required behavior for selling, meaning, serving, and problem solving for money. None of that is required. Nothing in the definition of selling says you have to be a jerk. You have to employ all of these terrible things and you have to stop caring about the other person entirely and only care about yourself in order to sell. That is not actually true. And one of the mindset things that I love to walk people through, and we can do it right now, is look at a time or look at a person that sells to you beautifully, the people that you are delighted to pay, right? Right now, I, right at the beginning of this, you turned your air conditioner off. In a little while, you're gonna miss that air conditioning. You may not like what it does to your electricity bill, but you still gladly pay it so you don't overheat, right? But we also, you've brought up art. If you had the opportunity to buy an incredible piece of art from an artist you really love, you would do that, right? So you, right there, I'm asking you, Angela, who is someone, an artist, a performer, a doctor, an advisor, Somebody that makes your life better, that when their bill comes, you don't get upset about paying it. Who Who is that for you? Honestly, probably the person that made my custom-built PC that I'm using right now. 
Um, so I had a really big issue. Uh, beginning of end of 2018, beginning of 2019, my laptop, like the motherboard, fried from the Oh, that's the worst. So I was out of a computer altogether about eight weeks. And HP, terrible customer service. I am sorry, I was a loyal HP person. But when that happened, they were terrible to me. They ended up giving me a refurbished computer, no explanation as to why my motherboard died, when it should have been able to handle what little I was throwing at it in Premiere. And I sold it. And I went to a local place, local computer shop, and I was like, hey, this is what I'm looking for. And that selling process was so easy, it was so smooth, it was so collaborative. I didn't even care about the price tag by the end of it, even though I was eating like a big chunk of that. Um, and it was just like incredible customer service, could not ask for better. So like when that bill came, I was like, take my money. Like, yes, I love for me. Thank you. That's the perfect example because it also has the negative example in it, right? So if you decided that what selling was, was how HP handled your dead laptop, you would not want to do that. You don't want to just throw a refurb at someone with no education and no support. But if you look on the other side, they listened to you, they prescribed what you need, they gave you education, they gave you support, and it made buying from them easy. So when you go to sell, you can take very real action items from both of those stories and say, I'm not just gonna shove a solution at someone. I'm gonna make sure that there's education and support that comes along with these things. I'm gonna listen really well to understand how to customize something for someone that they really need, right? We can take every single one of us, the times that we're sold too beautifully and the times that we're sold too badly, we can forge our own strategies just based on that. And then we're totally liberated. We're totally liberated from all of that nastiness. But my thing is, if you look at the people that you are delighted to pay or even proud to pay, right? Like I got my blue belt over the weekend and karate and I'm totally proud of that. And I have my patch here to rep my dojo. I'm proud to pay them. I'm proud to be part of this community. Why, why could you not be the person that they are delighted or proud to pay? You absolutely can be solve a problem for someone do it with integrity and do it with joy and you will be someone they are delighted to pay yeah um so one thing that you talked about too when you're talking about your story and talking about you know why your business and marketing and branding wasn't doing it sustainably or scaling in the way that you thought it would or should in comparison to the clients you were working with what mm -hmm. are the things that you did to make yourself process sustainable I started asking. I really like, and, and one thing that I used to teach all the time, and I still really love it, but it's incomplete, is if you're in this heart-centered marketing space, by now you have absolutely heard the phrase, know, like, trust, right? In order for them to buy from you, they have to know you, they have to like you, and they have to trust you. And that's hard, and that's what marketing is for, right? But the missing piece of that is not wow, I like that person so much, I'm just gonna throw a random amount of money at them so that they'll do something, right? Something, even if I've told you about it once, we know, and the number is like always somewhere between 12 and 12 billion 
brand impressions before we buy. If we tell something about somebody once and we do it in kind of a half-assed way, is that going to advance the sale? No, it's not. What I had to do in order to make my business sustainable, and sustainable had to come first before profitable, before successful, I had to get to the point where I could show up to do it every day and pay my bills, right? And emotionally sustainable and mentally sustainable. I had to focus on all of those areas first. I just chucked my pen across the room, right? But what happened was I started asking myself every single day, have I invited someone into my business today? It was too far a jump to say, have I asked for money today for me? It was too far a jump for me to say, have I asked for a sale today? Now I ask those right? But first, at the very beginning, have I extended that red velvet rope? Have I invited someone in to work with me today, including telling them how much it costs, telling them what they're going to get, and telling them where the buy button is to buy it? Until I really started looking at how often I was asking, I could not call my business sustainable, even though I had clients that loved me. I had some pretty profitable months. But could I call it sustainable? No. Yeah. Well, that's an important distinction, too, you know, when people are thinking about, and I think it's a really good criticism, maybe not do it, but valid criticism of people who are entrepreneurs is that, you know, the income isn't sustainable, you know, it fluctuates from month to month. And that's not to say that it never won't do that, because that's also the benefit of being an entrepreneur is that it can fluctuate mm -hmm. greatly and positively, you know? and mm -hmm. push forward in a way that, you know, a job with a predictable income may not be able to. Um, but, you know, the other half of that is building confidence in that process to where no matter what the jump is, you're comfortable with whatever income you have because you can sustain yourself. Yes. The scale, grow, do all the things that you want to do. Um, so just reorient, reorienting people's minds around, like, what does that look like for me? And you're confident in your processes to bring in more money because that roller coaster of peaks and valleys, that's going to happen, right? You're going to have amazing months to your point. You're going to have incredible months. You're going to have some crap months, right? For me, uh, the middle of the summer always is weird. And then during the holidays, people don't normally choose to ask for sales training for Christmas or Hanukkah. So during the holidays, it depends on how well I do on my... Uh, cyber monday whatever the whatever but that month between or that chunk between thanksgiving christmas and new year's normally is pretty slumpy but what makes it more sustainable for me is when i have a lower month or a bad month i am confident in my processes and i am confident in my approach that i will be able to recoup that money by doing the things that I have tested, by putting myself out there consistently in the ways that I have honed, and by being very loud and vocal in my own way about the value that I provide and the problems I solve. Yes, yes absolutely. Um, so for people who are watching this, maybe they're in that idea phase, side hustle phase, early entrepreneur phase, and they're wondering, you know, how can I become confident in myself process? How can I reorient my mind around really owning a business, no matter what you do, whether you're mm -hmm. an artist, whether you're a service basis, if you're a product basis, you're a business, right? And mm -hmm. sales is a part of business. So really reorienting my mind around how I can be successful in a way that is sustainable and natural for me. Um, and in a way that centers the customer, centers the client, that listens to them, 
that educates them on why I feel like my products and my service bring value to them, and you know how, or just like how to how to associate you know positivity and value to whatever I do and whoever I am as a person in a way that you know motivates people to buy. Yeah. What are some things that you would say to people who are kind of in that phase right now? The faster you can tackle your sales avoidance, the better off you will be. If you are in side hustle phase or you are new or you haven't even jumped into entrepreneurship yet, yay! Yay! Choose right now not to carry sales avoidance with you. And what I mean by that is there are all these forms of sales baggage, right? One of the main ones in the U.S. was like thrust upon us as children because most of us for our schools or our churches or our sports teams or whatever, were required to do door-to-door sales as a kid of like, cookies or magazines or coupon books and for a lot of us that was the first exposure to selling we ever had and similar to your hp issue it's not like they gave you a script and we're like hey when you go up to the door say this this and this and this is why i'm fundraising no they just gave you a big box of stuff and we're like all right go if you sell a certain amount you get a pizza party that's traumatizing For a lot of people, door-to-door sales is not something most adults want to do, right? The other thing is, a lot of entrepreneurs are coming from a corporate environment where their experience in selling was delivered top-down as a mandate. You have to use this script, you have to sell this much, you have to make an offer to every single client whether they're right for the product or not. And we internalize that stuff and we carry it with us. But selling something that is of you and that you get to deliver is a totally different ball game. So if you have not yet jumped into the entrepreneurial fire or if you're new or if you're side hustling, amazing amazing you are in a much much better spot than i was 10 11 however many years ago i jumped into this because i was unwilling to sell i was unwilling and i want to go back on another tip that i want to share which i think is so important you use this perfect word natural right selling when you don't know what you're doing and you're learning it will continue to feel uncomfortable just like any growth should but uncomfortable and unnatural are totally different right a lot of things that are in our nature are still challenging you are an artist by nature art requires things of you art makes you grow art forces things out of you that's part of what makes it so powerful right art although uncomfortable comes naturally what i want people to focus on is selling as who they are naturally if you're an introvert don't try to fake being an extrovert in order to sell that is unnatural that will be more than uncomfortable because it is unnatural If you are a very other-centered person, you don't have to somehow become this self-absorbed, narcissistic person in order to sell. That would feel unnatural to you. There is a way to honor your true nature in selling. You just have to uncover what that is for you. So I love that distinction. It may be uncomfortable, 
but selling should not feel unnatural. And if it is, that means you're doing something that's been thrust upon you by somebody else whose integrity, personality, ethics, style, or something else does not match your own. So look for the things that still feel natural. Yeah. <laughs> right, and I think that's also like, I'm not telling you it's not gonna be uncomfortable. I bought roller skates during the pandemic like so many people and I'm terrible at it and I fell a billion times and it was uncomfortable. Why? Because it's not natural for me to be on wheels. In that case, it's both, right? But if I was just like, up, oh, I roller skate once and it didn't work, I guess I'll never roller skate. That, then people would be like, well, then you just wasted money on all those skates you bought and telling everybody on Facebook that you're gonna be a roller skater now, right? So I, I really am glad you brought up that distinction. It seems like a little semantic here or there, but it's not your nature. If you are sales avoidant, yay! Bad people aren't sales avoidant. Bad people don't get imposter syndrome. If you're feeling that trepidation, awesome lean into the goodness that you feel rebels against it and let that goodness lead and then all you really have to do in these situations is shut your beautiful mouths and listen which for most sales avoidant people is something that comes naturally um so on that note you know one of the most powerful words you can say in sales is no recognizing when somebody is not your ideal client is not right for the product or service that you offer. And I think that's also hard for people to, it's like, I would say this for me as a photographer, I did not say no a lot at first. I said yes to everything, so I just needed money. And, <laughs> you know, I didn't know what, you know, my niche was gonna be. I didn't know what I liked and didn't like. So it kind of first two purposes. One, the money, two, seeing what I liked and didn't like. And then later on, you know, I became better at like, okay, this isn't a good client for me, this is a good client for me. This will be good for me. This may not be good experience for me, no matter what it is. Um, and I think that's true for for artists, for anybody, really. It's like you want to get your hand, your product in as many hands as possible. You want to serve as many people as possible, and you don't want to say no, even when you feel like it's going to be a headache client, <laughs> excuse me, or just a client that is just not right for you, not a good fit for you. Um, one, either because you want the money, or two, because you want the experience. To say that you know I've worked with X person, X you know organization, X brand. Um, so what are some things that you know? I think as I got into my business and I started you know realizing that I could be a little more selective with my time, yep. saying no got easier. So it was both the product of growing and really saying like yeah I'm just not available, or you know this isn't for me. I'll suggest someone else that maybe could fit for you. But it was also just a moment in like knowing that I was never going to really be able to hone in on my needs once I figured out what that was if I kept saying yes to everything. Yep. Um, so what are some tips you have for people who, again, maybe are self-avoidant, but want to, you know, really get better at that self-process and understand that part of that process is saying no? Well, first off, you can tell someone no without being a jerk. Right? I think a lot of us feel like in order for them to hear the no, they're gonna hear that with a whole lot of pain. And that's all in the delivery, right? Again, we don't want people to feel rejected. We're not like, ooh, I'm gonna reject this person so I can feel better about myself. Woo, no. To your point, turning down money, especially when your business is new, is terrifying. Cause you don't know where the next lead's gonna come from. 
right? But because of that, we also are like, well, I don't want people to go out and say that like I was rude to them or this or that. The easiest way to say no without hurting anyone is to say, you know what? Two positives, a negative, and a positive, right? I call this fake Southern politeness. I'm from Missouri, which is the fake South, and this is how I pick this up, ready? So the first one, you say two positives. Angela, I've really enjoyed our time together today. I think everything that you're doing is so powerful and so awesome, but when I look at my products and services, I don't think we're a great match. So I'm not gonna take you on as a client, but let me refer a couple of people that I think would be a better fit for you. Two positives, negative, positive. Any of those things. It could be, the negative could be, I don't have time to take on new clients right now. The negative could be, based on what you told me about your budget or timeline, we're not a match. You can vary it in loveliness, but you still gotta get that no in there. Don't skip the negative because then you're not saying no, right? But the thing that I need people to understand is that you are a limited resource. You have limited time, you have limited energy, you have limited willpower, you have limited care, you have limited all these other things. The more you spread yourself thin with a bunch of people who are not right fits for your world, you are depriving your right fits of their rightful share of you because you're diluting it with all of this other stuff, right? And what happens when we take too much no on, and it's heartbreaking, especially with all these people that we've been talking about, artists and givers and people that just wanna make the world beautiful and change lives and do all these things. When we take too much onto ourselves and receive too little, either in the form of compensation or energy exchange, whatever it is, when we take too many no's on, we wind up becoming resentful of the very people that we want to help. Our dream becomes a burden. It stops being a get to and starts being a have to. Don't do that to yourself. Respectfully and lovingly explain why you're not gonna go further with that person. And then if you really feel super guilty, which is your thing, yeah, maybe have an arsenal, a uh, Rolodex of people you can refer to out, uh, out to. The thing that I do, not out of guilt, but just because I don't ever want to turn anyone away empty-handed, is I have a resource list that I don't send you the whole list. I say, what I think you should do in order to get this started is go watch this thing, go do this thing, fill out this, watch this video, fill out this report, blah, 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 blah right? That'll get you moving. That'll get you unstuck. And then that way I know that they don't feel like I left them high and dry, even though I said a no. And then the magical thing that happens then is then people that you don't take on, people that don't hire you can still go out and refer you to the people who are right for you because they have a better understanding of who you are and who you're looking for, right? We can't get that if we don't say no and we take them on and then we deliver terrible services to them that aren't right for them because we just felt like we had to take them, right? So that's that's my rant on on this idea of saying no. And, and let me just normalize again. Talk about feeling unnatural. Talk about feeling uncomfortable. This is a hurdle. It is weird. 
But now I know that every person I say no to is more of me I can say to the people that I've said yes to. Yes, absolutely. Couldn't agree with that more. And thank you so much for sharing all these great gems around sales. This is what I wish I had heard when I first started as a photographer because it was very uncomfortable for me to ask for the sale, to say no to people who work for me because I was like, I just need to get off the ground. I just need to get money. I just need to get more clients into my belt so I can feel more professional and more legit. Um, which is not a direct correlation for how many clients you've worked with. <laughs> um, it's more a direct correlation of the quality of work that you've put in and the amount of connections that you made genuinely from the people that you've worked with that will refer you. So, yeah, I mean, it's just a great way to reorient yourself around like, okay, yes, I used to do this for free. I do this at a club. I do this as a hobby, but I'm ready to take it to the next level. And that involves being able to sell myself. And sell yes. And as a photographer understanding that your portfolio your shots will do a lot of the selling for you but at the end of the day if we're choosing this art over that art or especially a photographer for an event or some kind of family shoot or something who you are does matter don't get afraid of that. You don't have to outshine your own photographs. You don't have to be loud and gregarious. But if I'm going to hire your eye to capture my life, I want to know what makes your brain move. I want to see the wheels turn. And I want to know what's important to you. And I also want to know what kind of events you want to shoot. If I have a photographer who I super, super duper love and they really only specialize in weddings and I turn around and say, hey, I want you to do headshots for me. I want them to say no. I want them to say, you know what? I'm flattered that you wanted to work with me. I love that. I would love to shoot your next major event. I really am only focused on weddings right now. Let me refer somebody to you that specializes in headshots. I don't want a wedding photographer to feel like they have to take my headshots. I want a wedding photographer to say, Annie, I love you, babe, but I'm not a headshot photographer. Here's somebody who is. And then I want to be able to know who that person behind the camera is so that I know that their integrity and their ethics and their style and their personality is complementary to mine. It doesn't have to match, but it does have to gel. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much for all the amazing gems that you dropped in this episode, Annie. You're awesome. I hope people watching this bring some incredible information that will make them more confident as business people and business owners. So thank you so much again for joining me today. Oh, it was an absolute pleasure. Thanks for letting me rant at you. <laughs>